listening to KDRTLP 95.7 FM and this is Corinne Motokaitos host of How She Really Does It where inspiration and possibility meet. I continue my search for answers to improve our lives from people who have spent their lives learning, growing and understanding. On How She Really Does It, I bring on guests to the show to really dive into issues to help inform, inspire and empower you towards a better life. I love to hear my listeners' comments about our shows or questions for upcoming guests. You can email me by going to www.howshereallydoesit.com to send us an email and you can find me on Facebook or on Twitter also and those links are available on our website past shows are available on the website or as podcasts from iTunes today's guest has four questions that can change your life Byron Katie is the founder of The Work and she is the author of several best-selling books including the book we will discuss today Loving What Is Katie hello and welcome Korean, thank you. Thank you for being here. So, well, many of our listeners do know of you, so that and they've been they've been knowing that you're coming on the show today. So, I don't want to go so much into your journey, but I do really want to talk to you about the four questions and how inquiry can be so effective to helping people change their lives. Yes, wonderful. On, on um, are you open to share your experience this morning? Oh, so what I was telling Katie before we went on the air is that somebody had come into the studio um, to talk to talk to me for real quick. Somebody I hadn't met. We're having some sound issues. Okay, she's all the way increased. Okay, so we're good. Okay, live radio. Um, so somebody had come into the studio this morning and asked me a question or they had some painful thoughts and, and I told Katie that I did the work with her and within 10 minutes she had, you know, was very sullen walking into the studio and then she was, in 10 minutes her light was, her face was shining, she was very happy and enthusiastic and it just helped with just shifting the thought, like you could just see there was some relief that happened just from doing the work with her and it's incredible. Exactly, because I would have thought, no, you have to go through so much more work than to do something in just ten minutes. Yeah, and um, and for for some people, a lot of therapy to um, accomplish what can be done so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I get to hear that one a lot. <laughs> so so the, so the work is um, a way for those of you that are new to the work. Um, it's a way to identify and then to question the stressful thoughts that you yourself are thinking, the thoughts that cause all the suffering in our lives. And the work is simply four questions, and I um, refer to the next part as turnarounds, so four questions and turnarounds, and then we find examples for those turnarounds, and it can often be very shocking and unsettling, but uh, no more than you can handle because as you answer the questions, the power within the work are your answers. 
So nothing is going to take you beyond um, uh, where you yourself are willing to go. So it's, um, the work is I refer to it as checkmate, and it will really hold you. And um, if it seems a little unsettling, it will also keep you grounded at the same time. So it's all built in. So, um, Corinne, have I missed anything? Nope, you have not missed anything. <coughs> And so, can you, ex like, because inquiry, I've seen it to be so much more effective doing the inquiry than even, you know, providing inspirational story, you know, kind of cheerleading people on. Um, w w why? Why is the inquiry so powerful? Well, you know, where the, the mind is, it's unsettled when it's unsettled, and it is what I say, uh, Corinne, simply is the mind is at war with itself and it is looking for a home in itself and through inquiry it finds that home. It, it is the end of the war, the end of the war with, it, with ourselves is the end of the war in the world, the end of the war with others. So, um, um, for example, on... Um, a, the most wonderful woman um, came to interview me for um, um, for O Magazine yesterday. I adore this woman. I met her. She came to me um, with cancer. Her little sweet head just bald, and 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 she was not making it. And she was terrified. And and. Um, friends had to drive her and drop her off, and I helped her in, and then they picked her up and, and um, took her um, back after the session. And it was, it was amazing, and she had uh, two little uh, twin boys and, and really did not want to leave this life. But after this short, short session, we were laughing yesterday. It's like, who is this woman coming to interview me at the door? I mean, she was unrecognizable, this healthy, glowing, amazing being standing out there. And, and you know, it was not the woman I met. It was, it was, it was entirely a different um, um, being. And you know, physically, emotionally, all of it. So, um, she uh, was telling me the story, you know, mm -hmm. um, following up with me um, on with what happened to her after the session. And when um, by that evening, when everything began to settle in from inquiry, she began to laugh, and um, she. Her life was so different that, um, you know, with cancer and the way that she was, she didn't want her children um, seeing her that way, in pain and 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 so frightened and and literally, you know, like dying. And so she would keep her bedroom door shut when she was um, really sick after the chemo, etc. And after the session. Her door was wide open, light flooding the room. Um, she would have um, everything she needed to vomit there, everything she needed. She was, it was just her um, children could come in and bring their books, and when she felt like it, she would read to them and play in the room with her. She didn't miss their life with them. She was unable to 
to get up, walk around maybe, but it didn't stop her life with her children. And so even her children were not who she believed them to be. She thought they, you know, they were just so fragile, and it wasn't true. They just wanted to be with their mother. And she <clears throat> lost the fear of dying. It was, it, it was okay to die for her. She got that in the session as well. And her family thought she was nuts. It's like, what did that woman, Byron Katie, do to you? What, you know, <laughs> there's something wrong here. Because she was saying things like, it's okay for me to die. Can you imagine? It's okay for me to die. And this was really scary for her uh, husband and, and um, other members of her family, um, uh, you know, the adult members that, that um, and her doctors. And, you know, we all die. It's just that she got it. She no longer fears death, and you know she's an expert. She's um, a woman with uh, she was a woman with serious cancer that is is uh, has recovered, and and w- had recovered that day, mm-hmm. the day of the session. But you know I get to see these remarkable I get these remarkable feedbacks as as you do, Corinne, just over and over and over and over. For example, a young 13 year old, uh, 13 year old young man. His parents wrote me, his father, just sickened. They just found the website, never heard of it, of the work, and found the website and his, um, described to me just, just in his heart, just, just, I mean, just this son um, was diagnosed with a, a, a compulsive, obsessive behavior, and he had, I can't remember, it's a, a long name for um, the, the mental um, disease where you start pulling your hair out and then you become your appearance. Um, you become so um, horrific to look at, then you begin to isolate even more. He couldn't touch his school books. He couldn't touch anything in the house. It was... He had this thing in his head where um, if he touched it, um, he had to wash his hands, and he was unable to touch family members. I mean, this was serious. His father was and, and mother were out of, their, out of their heads, just reaching out for anything. So I said, of course he could come to uh, my nine-day school for the work. There's, a, there, there's one coming up in March, by the way, very soon. And of course he could come as long as a parent came with him. So the father continued to work and the mother came. But I received a letter from uh, the father the day before yesterday. The son is over it. It's done. It's over. <laughs> it's over. It is so over. We had the most marvelous time with this young man at that school and he had a marvelous time with us he did his work and his parents made him come he didn't even want to come so can you imagine being in a los angeles hotel if you don't want to touch things in in um, i think it was um well, i can't remember what country that he flew in from with his mother but uh, in english isn't even his first language and and um Inquiry is a powerful thing. You know, I don't, you know, I, um, I, we're just, we're just so blessed to have it in the world and, and me, um, you know, coming from a, a life of paranoia and agoraphobia and obesity and wanting to die and, and having the gift of this work find me 
and to, you know, with the understanding that it's free, it belongs to everyone, and it's not for everyone, but anyone with an open mind can do the work. And, and it's true, because this works for children, too. Oh, my goodness, yes. You know, I have a new book out. It's Tiger, Tiger, Is It True? And I'm hearing that children want to hear it over and over and over. And, um, um, you know, of course, I get limited. Um, I don't hear from the people that the children don't like it. But, but, um, <laughs> but evidently, um, you know, and as we know, children get this, oh, I love my children's workshops. They're just those little children. They are, they're amazing. It's, it's, it's wonderful to see, like, um, seven-year-old child facilitating an adult in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and watching that adult shift out of something they have been believing for years and years and years, facilitated by this, these children. Mm-hmm. It's, it's uh, nothing short of remarkable. And. And when you talk about them, people, adults living with these, it's really the thoughts that we tell ourselves, which is our stories. It's not the facts. It's the stories of how we make things be, the, the, the thoughts that we attach to and what we make them mean. Yes, yes. For example, um, um, my friend was believing that her children couldn't handle her, seeing her sick, etc. But it was her that couldn't handle her, seeing her sick. Uh-huh. And um, and it was she believed that um, it wasn't okay to die, as so many people in the world believe, and um, she no longer believes that. So everyone around her is shifting because she's no longer the teacher of fear, mm-hmm. and it's really hard for people to be in the presence of someone who is fearless. On in the areas that we still fear. So she has become much quieter and um, much more integrated um, between, you know, the time she did the work. Because she's, she has, you know, she has entered another paradigm. Mm-hmm. And this young man has entered another paradigm. You know, there's a new paradigm and we can get it from where we sit. We can enter it. The old paradigm is suffering. And um, the new paradigm is let's get this job done on the planet that we need to do. We're choking on our own air and water. For those of you just turning in, this is Karen Modokaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It. My guest today is Byron Katie. She is the founder of the work and also the author of several best-selling books, including Loving What Is. And we are talking about how our thoughts create a lot of our pain and suffering. So, so Katie, it's not the circumstances, because like this woman, her circumstances is she has cancer. So it's not that circumstance. It's her thoughts about what she makes that mean. Yes. Yes. And, you know, um, the, um, the important thing is that, you know, that I have come to understand from that first moment that I found the work, that it found me was that when I believed my thoughts, I suffered. Mm-hmm. But when I questioned my thoughts, I didn't suffer. And I've come to see that this is true for every human being. The suffering truly is optional. And, and so with, with this 
time period that we are in, and especially the state of California where we both live, um, what do you, how do we help the people that get so stuck in this idea about the recession and about how hard things are? Um, how, do, how can this help those people? Well, to identify what they're believing, um, like um, I'm going to lose my home. Uh-huh. Um, I'm, I, I can't make my car payment. Um, I have to have a job. Um, my children need an education, and um, and I don't have the, you know, my children need to go to college, and I don't have the money. So um, I would question, in that case, my children need to go to college. And then when I did inquire with that, I would do inquiry with, I don't have enough money. And this doesn't mean that you do, and it doesn't mean that you don't. This is about peace. Mm-hmm. This is about this is about something far, far beyond money. I mean, why do we want more money? Why do we want our children to have fine educations? Why do we want to make our house payments? Why do we want to keep our cars and automobiles so that we can get to the jobs we do have? Why? You know, because we're more comfortable that way. We're less frightened that way. We um, we are happier when all these things are taken care of. So. My thing is, can I be happy from where I am, not when the world gives me what I, even the bare necessities that I need, but who am I when I don't have them, and what kind of fear am I experiencing, and then to witness how I teach fear in the world to other people when I am frightened. So when we question those thoughts, as I have identified them, I invite everyone to identify the thoughts you're thinking, your assumptions, your, your, the concepts running through your head. And, I have, um, and, and then do the work with them. On, at thework.com, I have um, what I call a judge your neighbor worksheet. Mm-hmm. And if you go to thework.com, you can see how to do the work, the worksheet is there for you to download. You don't have to sign up for a newsletter. <laughs> Everything I have that is valuable is on that website free, no charge, and no tricks. It's, it's all there. I have a lot of things for sale there, and none of them, none of them necessary. What is, um, what is valuable is there for everyone to use. So that Judging Neighbor Worksheet will help you identify your thoughts until you um, can learn to um, do it on your own, and then it begins to happen automatically because you've had a little experience and practice in it. What, yeah, what I found with myself, because I found your work about a year ago. I know maybe about a year and a half ago. And so um, what I have found, and I still find a lot of power in writing and doing the four questions with the turnaround and finding the evidence and yeah. really writing it out. Mm-hmm. And, but. Uh, I got, was it last week I was just writing and I was writing down my thoughts and just writing down the thoughts and getting them out of my head I started to laugh because I could already see the insanity of the thought <laughs> but there you was, could always you can already <laughs> see because you've written it down oh that's not true oh that's not true oh my goodness that's an, oh my goodness I don't even believe that. oh my, my goodness because you um, are awake mm-hmm. uh, within yourself and just to identify the thoughts in the way you've described is to have a good laugh when you've had some experience in this work. 
but prior to that, like um, some of you that are not familiar with the work, if you go to the website and you do download the Judge and Neighbor Working Sheet and you start filling it in, then there can be a lot of tears as mm-hmm. you fill it in. A, a lot of tears and sadness and, and resentments. But if you work those concepts, do the work with those concepts one by one, by the time you get to maybe the third or fourth concept, you're already laughing because you get it. It's that fast. There, mm-hmm. That is, you know, that that shift that happens that um, puts the mind in touch with itself and wakes it up. Well, and I, so I used the Judge Your Neighbor worksheet just last weekend, and it was interesting to go t- to do that and then do all the work on each of those statements. And at one point, doing that work, I feel like it's like peeling an onion. You start to get deeper into the layers. Yes. And there were just tears, and I yeah. felt it. And the, and, the, and the sadness was there, and I felt it, and then I, did, I kept doing the work, and, and I had relief. I, I realized, you know, what I was thinking and, and what I was making it mean and be and what yeah. it really was. Yeah. But it, it did take, I mean, it was an hour. I sat down for an hour, and I did the judge your, the, the judge your neighbor with the work. Yeah, this is for people who are tired of the pain. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we sit in it for an hour, and our mind shifts for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what I say, if I don't do the work on, on what I'm believing about life, life will do me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so do you do the work every day, or how does that work for you? Well, you know, I haven't, uh, I haven't experienced anger or frustration <laughs> or sadness in so many years now that... Um, that um, it's mostly about, I would say, just this constant awareness of, of just noticing awareness of my words that are silent or, um, or being spoken or the words being heard um, that I'm hearing from other people. Just such awareness there. And, um, you know, I can hear people at a level, you know, I can hear people because there's no me in there to override what I think they're saying, or there's no me there to assume on what they really mean. So I can hear them literally and respond out of that, and there's a connection in that that is, it's, it's, oh, it's, it's heavenly, it's, it's um, it's intimate. It's entirely intimate because I'm not. You know, I worked with a man in, in an Israeli prison, and um, I have the work. People are are holding classes in um, in prisons that the Work Foundation um, helps support. But I was um, working in, um, in in an Israeli prison, and a man. I was working with um, murdered his wife, and he was there for life. And um, and I said, um, okay, so what were you thinking before you killed her? What was on your mind? What was running through your head? And he said, well, that's easy. She never cared about me. She never really loved me. Mm-hmm. And I said, is it true? Which is the first question of the four. And he, well, of course, she, she, she didn't. That's why I killed her. She didn't love or care about you. Can you absolutely know that it's true that she didn't love and care about you? And then the third question, after he answered it, 
How do you react? What happens when you believe that thought? Well, he killed her. Uh-huh. And how do you react? What happens when you believe that thought before you killed her? And he was able to to um, go back and 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 to speak of how he treated her, how unkind he was toward her, how uncaring he was toward her when he believed that she didn't care about him or love him. And then the fourth question, I asked him, who would you be without, the, without that thought? Who would you be without that story? She doesn't care about me or love me. And then he was able to see her in true light. He was able to see that he could not find one time when she was uncaring or unloving. He couldn't do it. So then when we turned it around, she doesn't love or care about me. He turned it around. She does love and care about me. I asked him to find examples, and which is what we do with the turnarounds. And he began to find examples. And then he fell into that place you described earlier. You know, his heart just opened. He began to cry and the sadness he experienced. And what he found was another turnaround. I don't care about me. I don't love me. And then he began to give examples of that and how he uh, treated himself. And as long as he believed that about himself, he had to project it onto others. We all have to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's like love thy neighbor as thyself. I always have. I hated me. I hated you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I do the work. I love, I love me. I love, you know, my thoughts about me, about people. So I love me. I love you. So he um, he actually um, killed the wrong woman. He killed the woman that he was trying to kill the woman that didn't love and care about him. And actually, the woman he killed was his wife, the woman that did love and care about him. So I like to say that until we do the work, you know, we don't even realize who we're living with. Mm -hmm. We have no idea. I like to say no two people have ever met. The people, our children, our partners, the people in our lives, they are who we believe them to be in our heads. So we never really know who they are. And I have come, you know, through the work, I have come to understand our true nature. Our true nature is to love, is to care, is to serve, and to live out of a state of gratitude. The world does not need any work. What we're believing about the world, that needs work. And that's what the work is for. If we don't love the world, to question what we're believing about the world. And then a whole different world appears to us, and we can do it from where we are. The world doesn't have to change for us. That is so powerful to understand, and it it makes it possible. That's such a powerful thing to understand because it means the world doesn't have to change for me, and I noticed Mm -hmm. it didn't anyway. And I just question my thoughts about it, and it shifts immediately. And also, you can do the work in in the way you described, Corinne, and haven't you noticed that you don't know what changes there? You don't really get what changes there because there's really no way to know. You understand that that you came to understand some things and that it's powerful. But haven't you noticed that as you live your life, how different life is after doing the work? It's 
it, it, it's remarkable. The blinders have come off. I mean, yeah. and they're slowly coming off, yeah. you know, or they quickly come off, but the way I see things is so different. Yeah. Like if, if someone said, Katie, I don't care about you, you know, I would, I would, I would just think, oh my goodness, I, I just, if I believed me what they, if I believed about me what they believed about me, I wouldn't care about me either. So I'm able to ask them, you know, um, what is it specifically that you don't like about me? Um, if you give me the information, it, it might be something that I could shift. And so there are no enemies. It's like those apparent, those people we used to see as enemies become our friends. They become the people that actually enlighten us. So our friends are friends and our enemies are friends. They always grow me. And I haven't met an enemy in 24 years. I've met people who believe their thoughts. And in these prisons, I worked in Soledad recently, and the first four men I worked with, we worked on, um, they were murderers, and that's why they were in there. And, and we worked on <clears throat> a thing, um, I call it the most of shame. It's one of the exercises I do in school, in the nine-day school for the work. And, and I invite people to um, write down the thing they're most ashamed of. And these men all wrote down, you know, I murdered. <clears throat> and um, and then um, and then under that, make a list of what that means. And so it would be like I I murdered my wife, and that means um, I'm a terrible human being. God will never forgive me. Um, and I am hopeless, I'll never get out of prison. You know, this whole list of, of things, um, I deserve to be punished. And a lot of, um, a lot of <clears throat> listeners reading right now would agree with some of those. And I don't agree or disagree. This inquiry is, is not about right or wrong. It's about waking up to your, to your, your heart's desire to your own self and to ask you, you know, what is true and what isn't. We have been, we have been believing what we think, um, you know, for years and years and years, and we, we haven't stopped to ask ourselves. It's like maybe our mother says, um, you know, um, if you do this or that, um, it will hurt you. And um, <clears throat> and we just believe it, mm -hmm. and we haven't tested it. And 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 some of it is very obvious, and it can it can be a real shortcut to listen to our mothers. But then other things, um, you know, it's um, we can we can take our own minds back. Like for example, uh, you can't trust men, <laughs> and and you're going to get hurt if you trust men. And um, so we believe that all our life, and we never trust, and we don't even remember where it came from. All we know is don't trust men. The mind has attached to it. So if we question it, um, uh, we may, our minds may open, and we can um, be with people in our lives out of our own intelligence and observations rather than to just assume that half of the world is not to be trusted. <laughs> That's a hard way to live. Mm -hmm. 
but you know we we can't tell someone it's okay to trust men when we are believing it's not mm-hmm. and the work breaks that spell and empowers us to make decisions on our own not out of fear but out of clarity and a sense of um self love and respect and dignity you're listening to Karen Modekaitis on how she really does it. And I am talking with Byron Katie, author of Loving What Is and founder of The Work. Katie, I think that talking about fear and how when we make decisions out of fear and when we don't make decisions out of fear, how that's so much made out of clarity. Yeah. Does, does fear, for the listeners, I think they may want to know, like, that does, I think some people believe that fear is a motivator I see fear as a liminator, as a as as limiting. Yes. Yes, we 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 use um, really some ugly, ugly self-talk mm-hmm. as motivation. And um, and um, it's unkind, it's unloving, and we believe it, and so of course. You and I would invite everyone that believes that really nasty opinions of ourselves be put on paper. That's where they belong. They don't belong in our heads. They belong on paper so we can question them, do the work with them. And we could come out still believing it, but doing the work with it can't hurt. And it could really, um, you know, on, 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 on my website also we have a helpline where people can call in to experience the work, and it's free. And then on, on, on my website, we have, I call it my website now so people can relate, but actually it belongs to, to everyone. There are profiles up there on, of facilitators on, all over the world, and, and they speak on many different languages as well, um, coming from different countries as well, and, and from maybe communities as communities where some of you listeners are, um, and you can um, look at the profiles and and maybe call one of these people, and that's what their lives are about. They do the work, and they're good at it. I have an institute for the work that is a, um, a school um, a training for people that begins after the school for people who really understand that that um, this is their life, and not only did they want to be, um, um, you know, to to be free, loving, caring human beings, fearless human beings, but they want to pass it on to others. And with the with the inquiry, you know, we've talked about mm-hmm. writing it down and getting it out of our head because our heads are so powerful. I mean, we can really flip things, obviously, because that's where why we have so much pain and suffering. Mm-hmm is how we turn our thoughts around. So getting it on paper so it's there and we can see it. And then also, doesn't the inquiry help us be present right now instead of telling stories to ourselves about the future or reliving, you know, past stories that may or may not be true? It does. It leaves us, you know, it, it, it's, it's like we, we question the, the mind. It's, it's, it's all about... Um, if, if you all sit very still, or those of you that are, are able to, just, just still your minds for a moment and notice that all your thoughts are about remembering or they're anticipating. 
In other words, they're about the past or future. So where is the now? Mm-hmm. All thoughts, remembering, anticipating. So just to sit in that and notice. And so as you question what you're believing, you go back to your past and you do the work on on your mothers, your your um, your partners, your children, your your um, you know people in your life that you still hold resentments on, and you do the work on what you're believing, what you were believing at the time, and the Judge and Neighbor Worksheet really helps a lot with that. It's all in loving what is, actually. Mm-hmm. That's the text for the, for the work. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's all compiled, and, and the examples are there. And it's, you know, that's where to go for those of you that find this um, attractive or interesting at all. And um, so to... Um, to do the work on the on your past and your resentments, the past becomes resolved. We resolve it in that, and the past is your only reference for a future. Like little children, they don't they don't worry about the future because on um, on. Um, their past is pretty great, and then when something happens, it's not so great. They begin to dread what's coming next, in other words, the future um, at times, and then more is developed over time. And um, as we grow up, and um, if you do the work on past resentments, you can only project, you're only capable of projecting a really wonderful future. Nothing else is possible. And it's not Pollyannish. You know, it's just <laughs> and for me, as you know, being the oldest one in the work, um, I don't bother projecting a future. My mind just doesn't do it because I understand the nature of everything of my of myself, of everything, its true nature. And so I don't, my mind doesn't bother with it. It's unnecessary. It doesn't need it. And we have dates and calendars and computers and marvelous ways of, of, um, of making arrangements in time. And then because our mind is freed up, we have so much energy, mm-hmm. you know, because we're not under stress anymore. And so we can keep our commitments at the highest level, and um, and if something should happen, and for some reason we can't get there, something comes up, you know, a flat tire or whatever, there's no self-recrimination, it's just you get to a phone, or use your cell phone, call, you know, um, make sure that um, people understand why you're late. You know, everything that's kind, but there's no worry. And, and you're noticing in the moment why the flat tire happened. It wasn't about the meeting you were going to. It was about this moment now. Everything working for us. Mm-hmm. Things are happening for us, not to us. And the longer we do the work, the less that becomes just another concept and becomes a reality and understanding, and it is so it, it is so wonderful to witness the true nature of everything and what everything is for. 
So when you stay in your own thoughts and really clean them up, then you're really focusing on your business, your own business, and you're mm-hmm. not story fondling. You're focusing on what is true. And then your light can shine so that you can fo- really go down, da- like see the world for what it is instead of this small view of what you're afraid of. Yes, because we're, we're unable to see the world through our uh, unquestioned mind. Mm-hmm. We're able to see it as it really is. Mm-hmm. As it really is. Not from other people's position, but from our own. And that um, is so helpful as we're serving other people that are so frightened. One thing that I'm so taken with you, Katie, is that you have this um, very quiet leadership. It's very compassionate, very loving leadership. You invite people. You say if the work works for you. And you're not standing up and down and saying, you have to do it. This is the way. I've solved the problems. And so you bring so many, you attract so many people towards you. I mean, you go around the world, right? Yeah. And you're a best-selling author. And it's such a different way than what we see in, you know, kind of the Western culture of the United States. And and do you think that's one of the reasons why you're so effective? Because you're very compassionate in the quiet leadership that you bring? Well, um, it's, I I think the the power there um, is, for me, is in remaining the student. Mm -hmm. You know, not the... uh, not leadership, but the remaining a student. Mm-hmm. And as I continue to grow as a student, mm-hmm. then um, it's attractive enough that other people are attracted to it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I just could not presume to know what is best for any other human being. Mm-hmm. You know, it's enough to understand what is what is what works for me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that is um, that was a lifetime quest. You know, what the things that I wanted, it, it's like thank God I didn't get them. I couldn't handle what I did have. <laughs> <laughs> so there was something really kind running my life, no matter how I prayed for um, for something. Thing, God, you know, I was just a child, and there was something really wonderful that knows better, and that's what I'm in touch with. That's what I'm in sync with, and and that's that's not just enough. It's everything. So, what are your thoughts about the laws of attraction? You know, um, laws of attraction, um, if someone has the thought, um, for example, um, um, he's unkind, um, he doesn't know what he's doing, he's, he is mean, mm-hmm. you know, thoughts like that. Look what I have just attracted to myself. Uh-huh. Feel what it feels like to judge another human being that way. I'm not saying he's not mean, he's not this or that, but just feel how mean it is inside of you to see someone as mean. Mm-hmm. And it's fearful. Mm-hmm. So I have attracted that. It's not the... 
and that person has brought me myself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's the law of attraction. Mm-hmm. I am who I see you as. Mm-hmm. In the moment, I see you as that. And I can um, look, uh, so it's not you that is the cause of what I'm experiencing and feeling. It's what I'm believing about you. Let me take care of that because I can't change you. It's enough. You know, it's a full-time job working on myself. <laughs> yes. And, and so, uh, you know, the world, uh, finally, I'm not dictating to it mm-hmm. and what it should be and how it should be run and what's good for this person and that person in this situation. You know, I'm just looking to myself as a student. So maybe one human being can, um, can end the war with the world and and that's how the work works it's happening all over the world millions and millions of people one passing it on to mm-hmm. the other you know these invitations to all of these countries that i can't begin to to even um, name you know and they're they're countries that are war at war with each other the work is, is um, my goodness, my goodness. It's, um, there's, a, um, there's a man in Africa from Rwanda that is doing the work with people, and, and he, is, um, he, he was um, 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 he came to the nine-day school for the work, and, oh, my goodness, nothing short of... You know, he, he was um, at the school. You know, um, Hutus came and Tutsis came, and they did the work with each other. And so powerful, they became brothers and sisters, and intimately uh, connected. And went back to Rwanda, and then people in the states are going back and forth to support them too, just because there's some miracles going on there. And um, we have, when I go to Israel, um, I, I do an event I call um, 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 Arab, the Arabs and Jews. Mm-hmm. And so Arabs and Jews come, and um, it's, it, it's very expensive to get buses and, and passes for people to come in from um, from. It's 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 really quite something there, but but for them to do worksheets on each other in front of of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, and and watch them come together, it's they're so courageous. They're so courageous. Oh my goodness, the stories I could tell these courageous people. You know, there's nothing more intimate than the thoughts that we are thinking and keep to ourselves Mm -hmm. and try to ignore. And I see thoughts as as children, those stressful thoughts as unwanted children. And we try to shut them up and we try to send them away and we try to ignore them, but in the long run they win. And so I saw them as children and, and just set with just every assumption and concept and thought just one at a time 
in unconditional love as I questioned as I questioned them and um, found, found peace. You know, it's, it's, uh, the, the mind is confused. Again, it's looking for a home and a place to rest within itself. I've watched people with the most obsessive minds get still and are continuing to live that way for years and to love their mind because it's so creative and wonderful and giving and um, unlimited. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if we don't love it, it eats us alive, and the work is about love. This is Corinne Motokaitis, and I'm wrapping up our discussion with Byron Katie, who's the author of Loving What Is, Four Questions That Can Change Your Life, and she's also the founder of the work. So, Katie, before we go, we have some listener questions that have come in, and one of them is when, let me see, um, I've done the work, but those around me have not. This is from a listener. Mm-hmm. What do I do? How can I stay in my own self when there may be anger and hostility around? To, um, to judge the people that you're angry or saddened by as you watch them, let's say they're very angry. Well, where are you angry at them for being angry? Or where are you saddened because they're angry? To identify your thoughts about them one more time, mm-hmm. you know, from that position and do the work with those thoughts. And then our families will give us more. They will enlighten us. You know, they will. And any time on... Anytime I am saddened or angry or frustrated, I wouldn't hesitate to do the work because those people around me have a right to what they're believing, and they would not be angry if they were not believing their thoughts. How could they be? And I invite um, all of you listeners not to believe me, but to test it for yourself. And when we're angry, our minds justify it. Mm-hmm. Our minds absolutely justify it. And so when you know, it, it, it doesn't solve our problem. You know, we get to be right, but we don't get to be free. So when someone else is angry with us, it's about us doing our own work and staying in, being in our own business, because it's not about us changing what they believe about us. No, we can't. Mm-hmm. I mean, how can we change? You know, you can't, we can't tell people, you know, you're wrong. They come back at us with resistance. So you still stay compassionate and loving. Mm-hmm. And if we find ourselves unloving toward them for being who they are being, then that's when I invite um, people to judge that person on paper again mm-hmm. and do the work until you can see that person, until you can love that person with all of your heart. The work's not done. And it doesn't mean you have to live with that person or have tea with that person or go to the movies with that person. It's not about that. It's about, uh, it's about when you're, you think of that person or you see that person, you experience an intimacy with them that um, they may not be experiencing, but it doesn't take two people to love. It doesn't take two people to have a relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, when I walk into a room, I know everyone loves me. I just don't expect them to realize it yet. <laughs> I love that. I need to write that down. <laughs> so, isn't it just so right on? <laughs> okay, the next question from another listener. When I'm thinking about a thought, 
that I want to change, I immediately find myself thinking of the turnarounds and realize either that they all seem to be negative, so I don't want them, or they are things I can't find proof for, so I find them ineffective. So uh, turnarounds aren't enough. You know, um, the work is four questions, turnarounds, and examples. Um, uh, Karen, are you getting that they're talking about a positive thought that they're turning around and they don't want it? They just say they have when they're thinking about a thought that they want to change. So it looks like it's a negative thought. It's something that they don't want to believe. Okay. So um, if if I um, if I want to change my thoughts, I wanted to do that for years and I couldn't do it. And I did the work and the thoughts changed. So I didn't change the thoughts. I questioned them and they changed. And that it's, it's like, I can't let go of thoughts. I did the work they let go of me. It works like that. And then our choices become so radically different when we're not believing our thoughts. And what comes out of that is a kinder human being every time we do the work. So if I had the thought, you know, he doesn't care about me, and, you know, I would go through all four questions, and when I got to the turnaround, I don't care about me. And I would begin to consider examples of where I've been and consider it toward myself. And I would start with today and, um, and look at my life and see, you know, where I am unkind and um, uncaring. And he doesn't care about me, another turnaround. I don't care about him. So where is it that I have been unkind um, um, and where have I not understood him when he was trying to get a point across? Where is it that I have um, been unloving, uncaring toward him? And then that's, those are the places where we identify them. Those are the um, places that give us opportunity to make amends mm -hmm. and to ask, how can I make that right? To ask myself, how can I make that right? And if I've missed something, I can ask that person as well. And then to make it right and start over, because this is my this is this is my life I'm dealing with. And when I'm not kind, it hurts, because my true nature is kindness. So anything that I would think or believe that would go against that naturally is going to feel like stress. Mm -hmm. Well, Katie, I'm so glad that you said that about. It's not that we change our thoughts. It's we find a thought and we use the inquiry to see if it's true and then to see what comes up. So it's not forcing it out, just like we don't force to drop the thought. No, no, just to question any thoughts that um, are um, negative, that we are, um, that are being directed at ourselves or another human being. Well, Katie, thank you so much. It's been an honor to be able to talk with you today. Oh, thank you, Corinne. What a, what a pleasure, honey. Thank you so much for um, making it possible for people just to be aware that these four questions, that the work exists. It, yes, the more that we can spread out what is possible, and that's what the, the, the show is about, is just showing people what is possible. And the, the work is such a wonderful tool. I have found it to be a wonderful tool. I have several listeners who, you know, have used it too. So the more that we can put that out there for people to see if it works for their lives. Yes. And, you know, I think the most powerful thing, powerful thing is the, the, the difference we make in the world when we have questioned our thoughts 
that um, we're so much kinder, and that's the difference. And then when people ask us, what happened to you? We can say, well, you know, go to the work.com. I question my mind and, and or find loving what is. And, and you know, also I have this um, amazing 28-day program that I call Turnaround House. And, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, that's another story. But we have a little something for everyone that, that wants to take a, a few days out. You know, we have two-day programs, three-day programs. We have the nine-day school for the work, and on and on and on, you know, something for everyone. And basically, it's all on the website and um, in Loving What Is. Well, Katie, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Corinne. You also. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is Corinne Modokaitis, and thanks for listening to How She Really Does It. My guest today was Byron Katie, the founder of The Work and the author of Loving What Is.